Hello and welcome to CineDrunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema and alcohol. Brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, joined by Nathan. Yeehaw! Oh my. <laughs> and Elizabeth. Hello. Welcome back. I panicked for a moment. Yeah, that <laughs> yeehaw. The yeehaw really. threw me off in the Isn't night. that the Southern-themed podcast? I, I don't know that it is the Southern-themed. I think it's actually a... Early fall 2014 movies, most of them Oscar hopefuls. Mm-hmm. Not all will make it there. Um, but yeah, just the movies we've seen so far this fall. Um, as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, this is our favorite movie going season and sort of the of kickoff to the road to Oscars. There we um, So we'll be talking about some of the, the initial bids for that and we have a delicious drink that we're consuming nathan what are we drinking we do um well i would just say this is the podcast that we all hope that you will listen to with your family over thanksgiving <laughs> is this a family friendly show well okay will we post it by thanksgiving? you're you're yeah. of age family mm. um why to create memories well yeah. because thanksgiving's coming up and i'm just Setting the scene. should be super thankful for a drunk. No, but, you know, they yes. should be thankful for laughter and <laughs> movies and alcohol. Yeehaw. So, we have what are cooked we up a drink. I am segueing beautifully into this. We've cooked up a drink called the Red Dragon that is perfect for all of your holiday festivities. And watching the movie Red Dragon, I presume. Yeah. Um, and this... This drink has connections to the movie Pride that we're going to talk about today, and also the movie Birdman. Um, It's a Welsh drink, really. Um, Traditionally, it's made with Welsh gin, but of course, we just used whatever gin we had lying around. Mm -hmm. And um, the movie Pride will make you want to go to Wales and hug everyone who lives there. Um, I'm sure they would appreciate that. (laughs) And um, the connection to Birdman is that uh, one Edward Norton was in a movie called The Red Dragon, who is also in Birdman. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, fine. Just Red Dragon. Give an article, take an article. Okay. So (laughs) in this in this drink, we have um, we have gin, like I said, uh, equal parts Contreau or Grand Marnier, some kind of orange liqueur. Um, it calls for blood orange juice, but we're using an orange mango juice that also has some banana, pear. Mm. Yeah, we're really living on the edge here. I guess. Um, fresh lemon juice, and then just a dash of grenadine, and just all shaken in a shaker, and poured over ice. And it's actually really good. It's delicious. Yeah, I was worried it was going to be too frou-frou, sweet, because, you know, I'm the farthest thing from (laughs) frou-frou. None of these girl talk <laughs> drinks. Girl talk. These are my favorites. Um, we'll say that for when we review Sex in the City 3. Right, right. It's happening, folks. Or Mystic Pizza 3. <laughs> Isn't that something we yes. concocted? That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, first I feel Wives like Club. For, oh, first Second Wives Club. Club. Wouldn't yeah. that be the sequel? The, sure. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, yeah, but it, I, I mean, I think my <laughs> colleagues agree. This is a... A winner of a drink. It is. I agree. I also agree that I would only like to be referred to as your colleague. Yeah, well, this is a very professional 
situation. Operation. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first movie um, that we saw a while ago now, but we haven't really talked about, and I think we would all just like to touch on it for a little bit, was we saw Skeleton Twins. Yeah. With, um, mm-hmm. I almost said Kristen Hader, with Bill Hader <laughs> and Kristen Wiig, where they play brother and sister, mm-hmm. um, who both starts on a real upper note. They both are do suicide attempts essentially at the same time. Um, Bill Hader slits his wrist in the bathtub, and she's about to take a bunch of pills when she gets a call that her brother is in the hospital. Um, so he comes home to stay with her and her husband, Luke Wilson. It sounds dark, and some of it is quite serious, but it was a really lovely little movie. It was. Um, it was very funny, actually. Mm-hmm. As you would expect from Wig and Hader. But, like, very understated performances from them. It's very. really more... I mean, everyone's cast kind of against type, but yeah. they're all good actors. Right. Which you can forget if you're just seeing them do sketch comedy and whatnot, but... And definitely Wig and Hader's personal friendship outside re- shines through in the movie because they oh, have yeah. such great such chemistry. Such good chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was refreshing. It was mm-hmm. honest, authentic, and, you know, flawed in parts, but, you know, maybe not every joke worked or that kind of thing, but... Um, I don't know. It had a heart. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it made you... It, it won me over, I guess, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And Luke Wilson is great in it, as Kristen Wiig. He is, so I don't him. really like generally. Oh, I, like I mean, I don't have anything against him. Right. But he's, he's good in that role. He's really great. He, he really finds the, the humor in moments that otherwise wouldn't have humor. That You know what I mean? It, it, as yeah. opposed to like... He's reading a joke in a script. It's not that case. That's not the case. Right. I just really appreciate it, obviously, both from Chris and Wig and Bill Hader, but from every, the whole cast and just the whole tone of the movie, a lot of times you'll get not just SNL veterans, but people who you mainly associate with comedy try to do a drama or like an indie drama like this, and it's just way too serious. Right. The they're afraid of doing very, anything funny. Right. Right. Yeah. But this was like, no, they're just going to be real. And yeah. it was still really funny. And I feel like even from, like, Bridesmaids, Kristen Wiig, I know that she's very good at actually doing sort of, like, grounded, mm-hmm. a little sad sack humor. Yeah, real depression. Right. She's yeah. really great at that, so I wasn't as surprised by her performance as I was by Bill Hader. Only great. because I've been a big fan of Bill Hader. He was, like, the MVP while he was on SNL for yeah. me. And also in any other, like, super bad as the cop, oh, yeah. one of the two cops, he's so great, he's so great at forgetting Sarah Marshall as the, like, brother-in-law, best friend, like, he's a real, like, scene stealer in very, very just straight comedic roles, and I was really surprised at the, how he was able to ground it, and the sensitivity he had, Yep. he was obviously fairly fake, he's playing a gay character, but I also felt like he wasn't, like, hitting me over playing the head it up. with it, right, especially, like, I mean, it didn't come right after, but earlier in the summer, there was The Normal Heart on HBO, which I think we discussed sort of the right. parallels of just Mark Ruffalo playing up the gay. Right. Like, limp-wristed. But not in real... But not in a Not in way. authentic ways. Right. And I feel like a lot of that may have been the direction and Ryan Murphy not being subtle, ever. What? What? <laughs> Shaka. But, um... Don't buy that. 
But no, Bill Hader was also like playing it up a little bit, but it was all in a believable way for the character, and it was really right. It felt out. it felt more like he was playing it in a way that that's this character because he's also an aspiring actor right. and obviously like an overly dramatic person. Mm-hmm. Right, the more character's the kind of character, it right? Too. The character yeah. is that versus I'm playing a gay man, which means I need to be this way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, um, I wouldn't say I took issue, but there were some moments of like near the end when you sort of find out the real nature of the relationship between Bill Hader and Ty Burrell's character was like a little too much. And then yeah. later with Kristen Wiig and she has another suicide attempt and there's the editing. perfect timing. Right. There was, there yeah. was just, no, there's always spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah. There were a few things that were just a little too pat or right. a little right. unnecessary, but in general it won us over. And I would recommend it. See, I mean, I'm sure it was only in select theaters anyways, and that was a couple months ago. But seek it out when it hits video on demand or rent it on DVD. Yeah. Do people still do that? Betamax, VHS, <laughs> Laserdisc, what have you. It's on wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights. So yes. Go <laughs> to your local This blockbuster. will be on. I think this would be a pick for ABC's wonderful yes. world of, of Disney. The other thing I would say is the soundtrack was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, it was great. And there's the one scene, which if you've seen any trailers for this movie, you've seen parts of the scene. The lip sync. The lip sync, which I think all of us would watch over and over and over again. Yeah. It was, and, you know, speaking of the trailers, it was one of those things where it was in the trailers, so we all knew it was coming, and it was a chuckle-worthy moment in the trailer, so you kind of think, like, sometimes that dilutes the effect when you actually see it in the movie. Mm -hmm. But they really do the whole... It was so both touching and funny and uplifting. I mean, it was such a great scene. I would totally keep that for like when I'm having a shitty day going home yeah. and watching and it, was, it as a pick-me-up. It was relevant to the film and where they were in their character development. Right, Just, it came from a character yeah. place, not a let's have two SNL people do a couple a bit now. Right. Yeah. It's not like a wedged-in scene of comedy. Right. So yeah, thumbs up on that. Um, yes. Next up uh, would be a huge thumbs up from Nathan and I, uh, Pride. Which I devastatingly, I know. apparently this is when I learned I'm only a colleague, <laughs> discovered that they went one it's day. It's all business. They went one day without me, didn't even invite me. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I expected us to like this movie, just given, I mean, anything British Nathan loves... That's not well, true, but if it has older people in it. <laughs> older yes, British old, people. old British people is like your genre. And I was underestimating the number of older British people <laughs> in this movie, so that was my first mistake. Also, the trailer I was turned off by. Not turned off, but I just thought it looked I was so on. silly Wait. that it couldn't possibly be that good, you know? Yeah. I just thought it was kind of hokey, I guess. It seemed like it would be. That's like, that was my worry. And there's been so many, like... What is the name of this film? I've just realized we've not said what it... Yeah, we did. Pride. Oh, you did. Okay, sorry. I did. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean you have to speak. I had Pride to say (laughs) that it was titled Pride. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of (laughs) movies and plays and stuff that are about this Thatcher era, like, minor strike... Billy Elliot. Yeah, Billy Elliot, Maiden Dagenham. I don't know, there's just been a lot of things um, 
And this was certainly a, a true story that I had never heard of, didn't know about the connection. It's basically about, you know, the Thatcher era, what would this be, 80s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like mid-80s. Um, there was the minor strike, and she was very anti-union, and um, it's about a s- smaller group of gay and lesbian people in, in London who sort of see the parallels between how the minors are being treated and sort of at random choose a small town in, in Wales to be like, okay, we're going to support this minors organization. And they start this group called Gays and Lesbians, or Lesbians support, and Gays Support the Minors. Support the minors. Um, and they go to the town several times and they sort of develop this rapport with many of the people in the town. And obviously many of the people in the in this village are not for having them support them there. Super against well, that as, as they would be. Do, even, you know. Right. It, it's yeah. Um, but it's just sort of about the, those two groups and how they have parallels in their in their struggles for acceptance and, and it's really well balanced. Like the humor, the drama, you see it's sort not of all sides. Schmaltzy. It's not too schmaltzy. You really care. I mean, there are a lot of people it's a big cast, there's a lot of people in this. But every single person is like a fully fleshed out. That's what I've heard. It's a great script. Imelda Staunton kicks major yeah. A. As she always does. Bill Nye is well, really great. Well, except for Maleficent. But well, no one we'll came away from Maleficent on stage. Let us not. She went for it, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just... I feel like I have to do a shout out for our, our mutual friend, Nora, who loves Sherlock. And I hear that Andrew Scott is very... Oh, he was the MVP for me. I thought he was fantastic. Which one was he? He would have been um, Dominic West's partner, the one who owns the bookstore. Oh, yeah. That later on... the Who has the Welsh connection. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, cliches within the movie, but they're not ever played as tropes or manipulated you. It's really... I, in another era, this would be... High up on like Golden like Globes, yeah. Like, there's been you know that big British contingent within the Academy would push through something like this. That's like a feel good British film, and it. I wish this had more buzz. It was barely in theaters. It barely made a million or two million, which is good for an independent film, of course. But right. in a just world, this would have some Oscar traction. Especially for best because picture. it's getting a lot of traction overseas. Like it's won already some. Like British film awards. Yeah, I was nominated for some of the British independent film yeah. awards, as it should be. And like, I would love to see it nominated for best ensemble at the SAG Awards. Yeah, I was that's, kind of that's blown away by how much I love this movie. What a great ensemble it is! And totally. There's not a weak link. No. They're all working together. They're all acting in the same movie, in the same universe. And one, when going back to what you said about why the group, this lesbians and gays support the minors, why they started in the first place, part of it was that the like political and social powers that be were harassing them um, as you know the gay and lesbian community of London or what have you, and uh, then the attention was shifted to the minors and to the unions. So they kind of got this reprieve, right. but they rec- some of them recognized, well, nothing's really changed. It's just, you know, they're going to come back to us when this is over and, you know, we need to support people who are facing the same, like you said, the same thing we were facing. 
So it's just an interesting spin on on all of those issues. Yeah, and it's a lot of familiar territory, but it's just really smart. It's really well executed. Like you have, you know, a main character who's it's sort of the movie's book ended with a gay pride march in London and you get sort of the the opening shots or the opening scene is a a young character who's going to the march for the first time and not really out to his family or to to friends. And then, you know, by the end, obviously, he's more comfortable with who he is. But instead of, like, only following him and seeing it from an outsider's perspective, he ends up just being part of the ensemble. They don't, like, shoehorn in, like, love stories just to give you more of an arc. It's just really... Yeah. It's just trying to straight up tell the story. And you really feel personally connected to everyone in the story, even the people who are bigots or who are, you know, not really... In favor of either group, potentially. That's No, that was key. It wasn't about a bunch of gay people dying of AIDS. It wasn't about a bunch of gay people having sex and, like, you know, just fitting in their uh, emotional lives and love lives just because. It was gay people doing real... Being real people supporting this real lives. Living real lives. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, no, it's total fiction. I mean, please. It's a little far fetched, but, you know, we went with it. But, well, yeah. now I'm even more angry hearing you talking about that you went and saw this movie without me. Well, we will watch it again. And that I unfortunately. Drunk holds a grudge over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And that I unfortunately have a job which makes me less available to go see movies. Well, you did see the next one. I did, which unfortunately. You're gonna I wish love I would have seen the instead of this. Oof. So, the next movie that we all saw together was Whiplash, mm-hmm. um, starring that Teller Feller, Miles Teller. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and J.K. Simmons, who I do really love as a character actor. My favorite performance probably is his in Juno. Yeah. Um, as the father. But in this one, he plays a crazed jazz professor Caricature. at a Juilliard-type school with a jazz ensemble, and Miles Teller is a drummer. Yeah. Um, and that's basically it. The scenes deviate between scenes in the rehearsal room with J.K. Simmons shouting at the top of his lungs, throwing things, and spouting homophobic slash misogynistic slurs slash yeah. racist slurs. To performances where they play the same damn jazz song over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, there are multiple five to ten minute montages of jazz drumming with up close shots of bloody hands and sweat. Sweat. Oh, so much sweat. Yeah. So much sweat. Like if they could capture that sweat, they could like and distill it. They could give it and like quench thirst in Africa. I think there was so much sweat. <laughs> Deep. Um, and this was one of the most like hyper masculine movies I've seen, like more so than any sports movie. Any also, oh, it was right up your alley. I your hated it. <laughs> I didn't like it while I was in there. I was also bored because I felt like a lot of it was repetitive. Because again, it pretty much was like rehearsal scene. He's an asshole. Performance rehearsal scene. He's, he's an, an asshole. asshole. Yeah. Performance where something goes wrong. Where like it just kept going and I both characters are assholes too the t- Miles Teller character is also like 
a singularly focused asshole. They insert a love story that's totally unnecessary, and I feel so bad for that actress because she seems lovely, but it was basically (laughs) like, you're a girl and you can't handle my career. Yeah, which I feel like just said more about the character. It did. It set it up, but unfortunately... she responds to... Well... Unfortunately, I didn't find their, like, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I didn't find any of the characters likable, so I didn't like the movie. I'm not that. Right. But all the two, there are really only two even kind of developed characters, and they're both assholes, and their goals are sort of unclear, or I just didn't care about it. So I just, the end was, I didn't care about any of them, and I was tired of hearing either of them spout their bullshit. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, my deep analysis of the movie is that it was stupid. <laughs> that is a deep analysis. Be, <laughs> bros are gonna be bros. <laughs> I just... It was stupid. I, I'm, I continue to be baffled that this is so critically acclaimed. Yeah. And I yeah. chalk it up to people's lives being so boring. And it's not <laughs> like my life is that interesting. But... Disagree. They're... <laughs> I, maybe I'm at peace with my boring life, but their lives are so boring that they're turned on by this just festival of assholery that <laughs> is whiplash, whiplash. Colon, festival of assholery. <laughs> and I don't know why right now, though, the, the movie in education is jumping to my mind where people were, all the critics were up that movie's ass because... It was, it involved, like, pedophilia, not really, but, like, I don't know, it's like, there's this, this, um, this line that people like crossing in the theater, and if, if they feel like a movie they're watching crosses it, then, ooh. It has to be good. Ooh, that was good, like. Right, the difference for me is that with, with an education, at least, it had a really compelling central performance, and I don't mean that yes. as an insult to no, no, no. Miles Teller, but I and, or even a. I mean, I think Carrie Mulligan is great. I love her. But Karen. the actual character and her journey, it said it like it spoke to me. It spoke to me about a person trying to find their identity in the world, particularly for a woman, particularly for a woman at a certain time. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it had. I mean, that's more based in naturalism and reality. And I feel like Whiplash, I'm going to play Contourian because I definitely liked it better than these two. I'm not a huge fan, but I definitely will have to play devil's advocate um, in terms of our conversation right now. I know. Oh, no. Um, But Whiplash works much better as a piece of art. Like, it's an art film. It's very... It No. Uh, it, it's, um, where did my train of thought go? No, all He's about just stealing my ideas, so. No, I'm not. I, I mean, this, we had mutually agreed out of the theater that that's, that's, that's what this was. Yeah. And, and there's lots, I've mostly come back to Beast of the Southern Wild, which is a film that we flipped our lids for. We loved that film. Lids and flipped. Oh, lids were flipped on the ground, <laughs> upside down. Um... I don't know what's going on right now, but this drink is really good. And I'm going to probably struggle to say some nice things about Whiplash. But Beast of the Southern Wild is like a first-time director, really confident in his vision for the film, and that comes across. It's not your average True. first film. It's, it's very artistic. And this, you know, certainly is not on that same level. It's not on that same scope. It's sort of based 
obviously more in in the real world. Although There's even with this, just to be fair, Damien Chazelle, Chazelle, the director, mm-hmm. this was a short that he made first, right? And it's not his first, so, right? right. So My God, that makes so some, much sense. Yeah, it oh, was absolutely. a short, and, it and feels then he thin like that. It. Yeah, it does, which is why it reads more as just this is a one statement. It's not like trying to build an actual right full narrative with character arcs right. and all that. But I actually found the film really exhilarating. Like, I know, like, the second it ended, I, I could see why this film has received, like, standing ovations and lengthy applause at film festivals. Whereas I, you know, turned to the two of them and they were like, God, that went on forever. And I was, like, on this high. Like, I, the end is just this, literally, it's probably ten entire minutes of a drum, of a drum solo. solo. Of a fucking drum solo. No, it is exhilarating. I thought it, it was is. fantastic. See, this is what I'm talking about. When your life is boring, this is exhilarating. <laughs> it's like, let's go watch a log rolling competition. <laughs> like, lumberjack sort of thing. Whoa, that and, would be awesome. No, and, no, that's... I mean, I think it actually would be cool, but that's a log rolling competition. That's not a good movie. <laughs> No, I, I see your point, but I, again, it's it's more of an artistic statement. Like once I step back and I don't try to accept these characters, as especially near the end, you're supposed to buy that J.K. Simmons, the character he's been playing, which he plays it well. I also really like J.K. Simmons, but wow, I am not rooting for him to to receive awards. It's just awards a one-dimensional written character. Entirely one-dimensional. He's that not is given... that totally hinges on his his. Personal, well, yeah, his assholery, which seems justified because it's all about the art. It's all about the sacrifice. And then near the end, we'll get into some spoilers. You get this huge concert at Carnegie Hall that he's responsible for after he's already lost his job at this Juilliard-type school. You know, his reputation is still on the line, and he uses it all as like a fuck you to Miles Teller. Because he's like, I know it was you that cost right, me my which job, totally goes which is entirely character. against the character, and it takes you so out of the movie because that is not at all how they would behave. Right. But at the same time, it's like there are several moments, like with all of the close-ups of the blood and the sweat, and then you get Miles Teller in that car accident before the film mm-hmm. or before a performance, and it's like just hitting you over the head rather than <laughs> like ground. Like it, I mean, it's in t- it's bashing you on the head with symbols is the whole film. Yeah. But I feel like that works for these two caricatures, and it works better just as a a statement. So exactly. So I, I, essentially, what what you're saying works. Right, and I don't think you disagree. I, I think I just liked that better. Than no, you did. Ex- yeah. that yeah. Okay, fine. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to say what I was going to say because you said it for me. Well, I think you know the. I'm going to throw a symbol at your head. <laughs> the problem for me is that it was all in one level. Like, it never built anything because by, the, because by the third scene, we're already seeing Miles Teller sweating buckets and his hands bleeding with bloody drumsticks and bloody drums. So it's never, you know what I mean? So it never grows to anything. It never grows to he's working harder and harder and harder. And then finally, before the last concert, there's this, like, blood and tears and right. whatever. And we hear, again, the same song fucking over and over and over. <laughs> we have to listen to him do fucking jazz drum solos, which to me just sounds like garbage. And I'm also like a musically inclined person. But drumming to me is interesting with a groove. It's not interesting to me on oh, I love drumming. Solos. Anyway, so it was you know what I mean? It was like it never built to anything. It was the same thing over and over. Both actors were same playing at Which is the why same it felt super pitch. repetitive. There was no arc to either of them really. Yeah. 
And I'm going to go ahead and say it, because, guys, I've had a couple drinks, and I'm going to say it. Uh-oh. Here we go. It bums me out a little bit that this teller feller, who I admit I think this is talented. This is Miles Teller. I, yeah, yeah, I think, teller -feller. He's, <laughs> I think he's a talented. <laughs> I think he's a talented actor, but it bums me out that now he's, like, the hottest thing ever and is getting all these leading roles when he is a unattractive-looking guy. He is a goofy-looking fellow. And he still manages to get leads, and it just bums me out watching him and people salivate over him when the same thing would not happen for an actress, no matter how freaking talented she was. Yeah, it's true. If people don't want to see her in her in like Esquire with no pants on, then people don't give a shit about the talent. Yeah, I'm gonna see Miles Teller in Esquire with. No I'm gonna see J.K. Simmons in Esquire. <laughs> oh, of course you do in that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't it's at all. The worst vibe. I love. I mean, I love J.K. Simmons, but not like that. <laughs> also, but I see what you see about it works as a piece of art, and I agree actually that it's well shot. I think Damien Chazelle has talent as a director. Yeah, it's really he just confident. Needs a better script. Yeah, he more. More? It had no business being a full length. Feature. Right. No, and I don't know if he would be able... I, I mean, this movie says nothing to me about whether he'd be able to handle something that's grounded or... Correct. You know, has more of a narrative. I think I would feel a little less venom towards this film if it weren't being posited so high in Oscar. Right, like right now I have it in, and we can get back to Oscars later, but right now I have it in my Best Picture predictions. I think right. he's and definitely got some buzz for director. Oh, yeah. yeah, he has a chance wow. of getting the like Ben Zeitlin director seat. Oh, yeah. no. And that's when, I think that's what makes me dislike this movie even more, is because I can't just be like, oh, well, that was an interesting experiment, it didn't really work for me, but I see the potential, but it's like Right, there's always something that we need to root against, and this is kind of, even as even though I liked it much better than you two, I'm really actively rooting against it, and I'm, because I it haven't seen it. Because it doesn't work as a film. A film needs to be more than just an art piece. It needs to have more going for it totally than just agree. good direction. It also needs to have... And this is at like 98% or something ridiculous on Rotten Tomatoes. And which is why I do think it, it might of... get in because there's a lot of passion for this this movie and you just need number one votes to get in. It's kind of the way I felt about Melancholia, which I think is a far, far superior film to Whiplash. Oh, it's but more heady. It was yeah. so, so much of an art piece. That for right. me it was sometimes hard to see it as a hard to even judge it in the same category as other. But things. then it ultimately coming back to like the Oscar season was viewed as session and didn't get nominated for sure. Right. Shit. So for that not to, which is fine, and right. this to have so much buzz is right. just crazy. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of grounded Ooh, in reality, not. should we move on to the next Let's movie, be done which with is Whiplash, yeah. Birdman? Mm. Or Realism at ignorant. its finest. Virtue of ignorance. What's the sub? The virtue. <laughs> the virtue of. What is the virtue of. Of ignorance. Birdman or. The, this could be a fun game. Yeah, figure out what. <laughs> or the utter brilliance of virtue. Ignorance. <laughs> Maybe yeah. ignorance isn't. It? I don't know. No. Birdman. It's ignorance. Electric boogaloo. Birdman electric boogaloo. I think that's it. <laughs> While we look that up yeah, for you, anyhow. Um, Birdman is one of my favorite films of the year so far. Mm -hmm. um, it's that one that is filmed like uh, a, a continuous tracking shot. Is that mm -hmm. how you would say mm -hmm. it? Kind of like if you've ever seen, if you've never seen Rope, 
which is a Hitchcock film. So good. I highly recommend it. Um, I had never heard of it really until recently, but um, it's also filmed in that style where it's meant to be kind of like a continuous shot and that there are certain camera tricks throughout to kind of, uh, you can kind of tell where they Yeah, there's only like a couple cuts in that whole movie. Or made mm-hmm. a cut, but... Um, so there's that, and it's it's basically uh, it centers around a character played by Michael Keaton, who is this kind of washed up actor, has been actor, who played um, a superhero called Birdman, mm-hmm. correct? Like a film, and successful film, and a successful film franchise. So of course, I mean there are obvious parallels to Batman and Michael Keaton's and Michael Batman. Keaton, right. um, who. Okay, so anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So there's there's that, um, but he's he's basically staging a Broadway version of Birdman. No, no, uh, Raymond Carver's. Oh yeah, that's right. Talk about, talk about this that. is why I don't do the summaries. Um, <laughs> this is why I like you to do. The he's summaries. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, so Raymond Carver is an inspiration for him, and he um, has decided to make a comeback of sorts but on broadway um directing and starring and having written an adaptation of what we talk about when we talk about love which you must read if you've never read it not actually my favorite raymond carver (laughs) but you must but you must but you must read it um anyway and it's the unexpected virtue of ignorance Unexpected virtue But I loved this movie. Um, I think it was brilliantly bizarre. I think it was brilliant that Michael Keaton is someone I haven't thought about in a year. 15 years at least. Yeah. And I doubt you have either unless you've watched Batman recently. Like, who thinks about Michael Keaton? And then he comes and does this, and he's well, yeah. But he's (laughs) really, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never seen him in a. I I like him in, you know, I like the Batman movies, and I love Beetlejuice, but I've never particularly thought of Michael Keaton as a interesting or complex actor. This is the first performance that I've actually been sort of blown away by him. Totally. And a lot of the supporting performances were just brilliant, particularly. Well. I particularly enjoyed the women who were in Michael Keaton's life. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, which were pretty much all the women, Yeah, I guess, basically. Yeah. But I mean the ones more his age rather than his daughter, Emma Stone, who's also really great. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I think I liked her more than either of you. No, I liked her from um, Matt just made a face. Yeah. I liked her. I didn't think she was this. I, I think it's probably Emma Stone's best performance. In a movie yet, our most complex, um, most complex, I would say, not her best because I think she's more likable or funny. I think it was her best. No, I think Easy A is still her oh, best Easy and most good. complex. She's got the whole film on her shoulders there. Yeah, maybe. I, I I will say I was impressed with her and saw potential for things I didn't think that she had the potential to do. I kind of thought she would be until this movie. I thought Emma Stone would be more of a one note like comedy actress charming yeah and this shows me that she has other things that she has potential to do but i don't think she was the strongest of the supporting female characters 
Sorry, keep going. Oh, no. I mean, this was... I mean, this was directed by Alejandro Gonzalez. Iñárritu. Iñárritu. Who apparently is really full of himself. I don't know. That was just something I read somewhere. Who knows? But he, he, he has this reputation for making pretty depressing films, particularly beautiful. Ugh. Uh, B-I-U-T something. Don't worry about I it. Don't watch um, But that, I think, was his most recent, maybe. Yeah. And it was super depressing. Oh, he also did Babel, which um, I wanted to love and only liked a lot. Um, Graham. Graham, Graham, Graham's, Paris, which I'm kind Paris, of the same which film. I still haven't seen, but I know I would really like it. But anyway, so that's kind of his... Au revoir. Au revoir. (laughs) Um, And so for me, I mean, this was a little outside of that. Refreshingly so. Right, exactly. He seems to traffic in miserableism, and it peaked with Beautiful, which I could not stand that film. (laughs) It was such a slog, like not even interesting, just depressing as all get out. Um, But I also really loved Birdman, and I really, really, really enjoyed the experience of watching it. I was, I mean, it's so right up my alley, like just dealing with actors and the nature of art, and you've got all these, this great ensemble who are all playing versions of themselves or being actors. It's, that's entirely right up my alley, and I think the ensemble knocks it out of the park, elevates it. What really elevates the film is all of the technical aspects. Like, he's got Emmanuel Lubezki, who shot Gravity, um, as the director of photography, the cinematographer, and it's sort of set up to all be sort of one continuous shot throughout the course of a couple days. But the way they do it just adds such urgency and just heightens and elevates the whole film that makes it so exciting, just what they're doing and the process of mounting a play and being an actor. You've got Edward Norton, who's fantastic, playing like just a total version of himself, kind of a dick, kind of a douche really into himself actor who's like a serious actor and the New York Times critic is like in love with everything he does. It's it's really great. It's really, really, really great. However, it has not stayed with me at all and I have such issues with the end. Because it's, it, it's similar to Whiplash, like it's being this big artistic statement that I think is much more well-rounded and complex that by the end, I don't know what the end is saying, and it leaves me with this taste in my mouth that I don't know that everything preceding it led up to that moment, or I don't know what the mission statement was for the film. And it's carrying me... My love for it is is carried over by all those technical aspects aspects and everything I just described, and really, Michael Keaton is sensational. Yeah. Like, I was expecting... Just, like, hearing reviews, I was expecting to like him and like the ensemble... But he is so good. I would be totally fine if he walks away with the Oscar. Yeah. Just so bizarre. Crazy. I feel the same way. Yeah. And and before I saw the movie, I was afraid that it was just because people were so caught up in the meta-ness and the comeback factor and the career topper of it all. As we learned from last year in Matthew McConaughey, we're not always on board. No. I mean, well, first of all, I will say the, like, sequel take thing... You know, it's funny you said about Whiplash by the end of it, by the last things were so. 
I was so invigorated by that movie. Like, I felt like I came out of it just, like, vibrating energy from Birdman. Me too. And that's why I and, could overlook that And I think time. that, especially when you're filming, it's, it's so funny because before we started filming this, we, this podcast, filming, <laughs> we're filming it, no, before we started recording it, the podcast, we were talking about Chicago, mm-hmm. um, the movie Chicago, and how, you know, it's sort of set on stage. And I think capturing... Capturing something that takes place on stage and like live theater performance is really hard for film. The same way a lot of times mm. stage transitioning to film is really hard because just the pacing is so different and the experience of experiencing live theater versus a film is very different. And something about that that continuous shot made, made it, seem, it like... seem like we are watching live theater. Yeah, and it felt so present and in the moment and. And every cast member was so exceptional. Ed Norton probably gets the MVP, but like narrowly edging out many others. For Naomi me, probably Watts. my favorite is Naomi Watts because she's. I think she's given the most to do, but she's so great. And I know that person. I've been that person. I've had friends who are that person and that actress. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I feel like the film kind of forgets about her just as I was like really it, really getting into what she was doing it does the film also does one there's actually one moment and it's not the ending I do agree I think when I started to think about it later I was like what was the movie really trying to say because he has a lot of big ideas he has a yeah. lot of big ideas about art and commerce and how one right. sort of dilutes the other and the industry right now right there's and right he's per, very scathing of the superhero culture that mm. cinema is in right now, like it's not even thinly veiled or no, it's great remotely, which is great and again also invigorating. But I'm not sure that his thesis came together. But the one thing actually that makes me a little bit angry in the movie is there's this great scene where Naomi Watts, whose character is dating Ed Norton, who's this hyper like method actor. Mm-hmm. And they, we learn that they do not have a good sex life. He like hasn't been able to get it up for her. And all of a sudden, they're doing a love scene on stage, and that's when he can get it up. And he's like, "Let's have sex for real." And she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. And this is like a longtime actress who finally is getting her break on Broadway, and her asshole boyfriend is trying to have sex with her for real on stage. Yeah. So she has a well-deserved like breakdown about it. <laughs> and meanwhile, Andrea Riseborough, who is also love terrific. She was my and she was so fun. And I haven't first seen, seen of hers. <laughs> I like her a ton, but I've never seen her so funny. Yeah, just fun. And like loose cannon and spontaneous. Yeah, like, it was exciting. If anything, she feels more like a bland chat or someone who like it always feels very studied and controlled what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And then this movie was like a live wire. So she's great too. But so it's this moment where she's had her thing with Michael Keaton. And so they're both upset and they're comforting each other. And it's such a great scene about... That passes the Bechdel test. That passes the Bechdel test. And it's about like women comforting each other because of the crazy men in their life and whatever. Like It's this great moment. And then he has to ruin it with them making out. Which, is that then making a broader statement? Or do you think that's just lazy? See, and that's what I couldn't tell because his overall thesis didn't come together. Right, and that's sort of the issue I have with because in the, other things. Like, and after, in the moment, it didn't bother me as much because I was, again, caught up so much in the... And everything kept going. You know, you right, couldn't linger right. too long on one scene because everything was propelling forward so much. But afterwards, it just makes me mad that it's this great scene and two actresses and then they have to fucking make out to do it. Right. Which, like, undercuts any idea of female bonds happening like it's a feel it is a moment that feels such through like a male director's lens of totally 
now we're gonna have these two characters make out. So that would be my one, well, one critique is that I don't think overall he knows what his point is. Yeah, or he doesn't yeah for it to be so, like, well thought out and right. confidently staged, right. it's, you should have a, and it's not like the end just sort of petered out, like, it definitely had a, a, a climax yeah. that I just don't... Something happened. Right, that I just don't but, know. Yeah. And I like the ambiguity, I like that it an- ends ambiguously yeah no me too and it definitely i mean i certainly thought about it but i was more caught up in the rest of the film rather than it leaving me with a specific or semi-specific idea of what the whole thing was which on the plus side to some extent i think all of that contributes to making it a rewatchable Film. Oh yeah, yeah. I rewatched this in a heartbeat. Which is not something I say about many. Also, we haven't really said it yet because there are so many other wonderful things to talk about. This movie is flat out hilarious. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. really. Funny. I Super dark. laughed so hard through the whole thing. Yeah, it was really really funny. So that on top of everything, Zach was... Galifianakis is great. Oh yeah, he's good too. Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not. I mean, Amy Ryan is we reliable. Came out as of it, we came out of it, and I joked that the guy who played the costume designer was my favorite <laughs> guy, and he had like four lines, but he but nailed he was great. him, and he was hilarious. I mean, this really better across... be nominated. I mean, I really am obviously rooting for Pride to get some underdog for SAG nominations, but. If this is not nominated for SAG Ensemble, I'll be a little upset. Because this is, I mean, Michael Keaton's is definitely the, like, lead performance, but this is truly an ensemble picture, to the fact that they actually, because of the tracking shot stuff, when they were filming it, had to stage it like a play. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, And I know we already touched on her a little bit, but for me, Emma Stone was definitely the weak link of the whole ensemble. And I really like her, and I think she's very talented. I think she's gotten a little cognizant of her celebrity, and that sort of impeded her growth as a performer. And she's definitely pushing herself in this, and I think she should take more roles like this. But the, her like one big Oscar scene is like a yelling argument with her, her dad, who's Michael Keaton, and it is just entirely at the same pitch. There's no variation. There's no yeah. colors to this that shades who that character is or her background relationship with her dad it's it's well delivered it's fine and she's great and she's definitely got the oscar buzz for to get in for a supporting actress nomination which i don't have a huge problem with i am on board an emma stone nomination but i, I think would naomi watts, that i feel like there are stronger performances right I'm, i would root for naomi watts. i actually think her strongest scene was with ed norton when they were on, on the, the roof, roof. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to another interesting thing, which is that, I, and this is not my own thought, as Nathan likes to accuse me of never having my own ideas anyway. <laughs> what? No, there was like a podcast where you said it. Mainly I say that about Matt, because he steals my thoughts. But anyway. <laughs> so untrue. Um, Once he did. No, but the interesting thing about Ed Norton's performance in this movie is that, one, he's playing a very self-centered character. Someone, <laughs> someone who's very self-focused. Um, and then Ed Norton also has a reputation in life as being like super method, super method and not necessarily the easiest actor. And the thing that I found so interesting about his performance and his character is that for someone who is so much about self, he is super as an actor giving in his scenes. Absolutely. Every relationship. 
elevates every other performers and really feels like he's connecting to them and bringing them out. It's I great mean, supporting work. Yeah. Every almost everyone in the movie has their best scene with Ed Norton. And it's because of what he's doing for them. So I think that that more than anything like really impresses me because that's a fine, it would be easy to play a self-absorbed actor and then just suck all the oxygen out of right. the scene and bring it to him. But instead he's so collaborative, like collaborative, collaborating. Oh geez. Oh, oh gosh, Christ. these drinks. I really am living up to the drunk oh, in the center you're, drunk. You're sipping on that red dragon. Um, so anyway, that's all I'll say about Birdman because obviously I can't, form sentences anymore so I should probably hand it over to you two for the last two movies which I have not seen which I would actually kind of lump them together in a strange way but the last two films that that we saw uh, without Elizabeth were Fury um, directed by David Ayer who did End of Watch and some other masculine films um, Nathan is choking by which is a world war two you know tank film with Brad Pitt and Logan Lerman and Shia LaBeouf and a bunch of people um, the other one is is Nightcrawler, um, which has Jake Gyllenhaal, Renee Russo. Where has she been? But it's she directed by so her real. husband, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tony Gilroy. But yeah, they're Nightcrawler is definitely better of the two, but they're both movies that I feel like we went into expecting them to be one thing, and they ended up not being that thing. And what they did or what they were was fine, but just not at the level of what we thought they were. Fury is, it's not garbage. It's a fine, like, action film, but if you stop and think about, it's like, garbage. World War II awards bait it's film, which is kind of how it was garbage. positioned, right. it is absolutely not that. I've and heard then, it's like a B movie. Yeah, it is. Which, it's it's well done, and it's well shot, it's and, it, shocking, but yeah. and it's perfectly pleasant, but... <laughs> it has no business being a it movie. Is. It doesn't even, it's but then especially pointless. getting out of the theater, I was like, oh, they must have taken some liberties. And then just to find out that it's entirely fictional, it's like, well, then what was the point? Like, Not that there you can't no make point. a World War II film or, or any historical event right. and be fictional. I mean, look at Inglorious Bastards. Like, you can have like a point of view. Right. And not that this movie doesn't have a point of view, but it's just... It, it and, ends up being just, like, kind of an action thriller suspense. Like, there's a... It, it's all leading up to, like, one big action sequence which at the end. Which, I have a question. It'll be a spoiler, but who gives a shit? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't spoiler. matter. Spoiler. Can, I, can I make a guess and you tell me if I'm correct? Yeah. At the end, in the big final battle, yeah. everyone dies except for Logan Lerman. Boom. Bingo. Of course. Oh. Which I could have told you from the previews. Right, And from course. the general setup. That the young, wide-eyed doe Newbie, ends up yeah. sur- like surviving. But right, because we're seeing part, it from his point since of view. We, since we're in deep in spoiler territory, which doesn't matter because this movie's stupid. <laughs> we're not that dumb on it at the time. <laughs> no, it, well, it's it's just pointless. Don't waste your time. Um, but what was <laughs> the worst part is that Brad Pitt dies, but only under really high quality lighting and with like a trickle of blood after being like under his hair several times but then oh he needs like, to get back into the tank have, have like his whole scene moment face. with Logan Lerman pass everyone else wisdom. is like blown to bits like they're bits <laughs> <laughs> and Brad Pitt who sh- who based on the circumstances and how he died should have been blown to bits of course no we have to see the pretty boy 
Who even like, later, like star quarterback, long after he's dead, you see him again, and he just looks like he's sleeping. Like yeah, yeah. It's it's. He's got a great haircut in this film. Ridiculous. Yeah, he looks pretty hot in the trailer. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And this is usually Elizabeth's territory, but no, I, the fact that they well, made first this, of all, I'm nervous, but go ahead. The fact that they make this whole, you know, someone wrote this whole fictional screenplay that's pointless, and it's all men except for the. I mean, obviously, it's all men because it's centered soldiers on soldiers in World War II, of course. Which Specific I should say for me, like, what? I excuse when it makes sense because, like, I love Saving Private Ryan, which has nary a female to be seen, but it makes sense in the context of the story that they're telling. Yeah, and it's not so much the movie itself that I would pick on, but just the fact that someone wrote it and got funding and etc. Like, yeah, it makes, like, I, I'm not saying this movie should have more women in right. it. I'm saying this movie should not have been made. But isn't there a scene for where they, many like, reasons, go and, like, rape a bunch of Exactly. Women? There's that, too. Basically. I mean, it's, it's not... It's... <laughs> there are two females who are sort of well-shaded for the one extended scene. Yes. Of course. Yeah. But, which after. is, I mean, the absolute like worst... Absolute worst scene like, of the film. Oh. oh, my God. I'm so glad I... Oh, it's so bad. It's, I'm so sad that I know these things just by like, <laughs> knowing the tropes too. Right, you know and that's mean? that's sort of the wor- one of the worst things too is that you get you take nothing from this film because it's like if you're going to tell this fictional story, why just follow A B C D? Like it's right. the same thing. Right. Um, this is like intellectual celery. Like there's no <laughs> caloric value to this movie. It's true. Just so, in other words, we should stop talking about it. No. And move on to Nightcrawler. We can come back. We can come back. But, but Nightcrawler, so Nightcrawler, I really enjoyed. I thought it was a fun ride. I don't think it was very good, but it was really enjoyable. And Jake Gyllenhaal was crazed and mm-hmm. believable as crazed. Mm-hmm. Renee Russo was really fun to watch. I haven't. I don't think I've seen her really since the Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> Which I besides, really And when we rewatched liked. Outbreak. Yeah. Right. Her <laughs> um, <laughs> crowning achievement. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they were both really great. They played off each other well. I think it was a fun... Felt like a fun summer movie. I mean, it was a fall movie, but... Um, ultimately, I, I don't think it really knew where it was going no even though it thought it did which is i mean that's kind of the 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 trend of a lot of the films we're talking about Mm -hmm. and i had the same issues with fury and birdman just for so much of the film we were i mean we were like tears in our eyes laughing it's like dark comedy and it it says this is for nightcrawler yeah it, it says a lot about and it's not like treading new territory oh, yeah. really, but it says a lot about like news media and sensationalism and just our you know pop culture or culture in general that's kind of scathing, just well done. It's hilarious. And within the context of these characters, it's setting up this sort of taxi driver and, and these comparisons exist online. I'm not pulling these out of my ass, but taxi driver versus like network. And that's really working for the first like three fourths or like five sixths of the film. And then by the sure time it's not the seven eighths, it's like it's like <laughs> six and a half eighths okay. of the film. And then 
by the time you get to the end when they really need to drive home what the mission statement was or what the point of the film was or what the director was hoping to get across, it sort of becomes something else or it, it decides to focus on something else and it transitions to this other film, which works perfectly fine, but when it's been set up this other way the rest of the time and it's feeling like this movie that the critics are going to like and that it's like a character study, it becomes more of like a... There's a great suspense scene near the end. There's a lot of tension. And then right after that, how it ends, it drives home this other point or really no point. And that's not, and you can tell that that's not the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that because of that, it sort of decreases the value of the film and of the performances. Like I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic, but it would have been a better performance in a better film. Mm -hmm. And it just is disappointing. And yeah. Fury was kind of the same way. I mean, it's, Obviously, you go into it thinking it might be this World War II awards bait film with these band of men coming together under these impossible circumstances, overcoming, or at least some of them overcoming these obstacles, but then it's like, no, this is really just kind of an action movie that works well, but, but if you stop and think about a it... Good action No, it kind of is. No. Not necessarily <laughs> that final battle, but the second to final one, with when there's more than one tank... Going versus okay. the other team. That was so really well done. So it has a good action scene in it. Sure. So that's all you... Hey, summer movies, you grade <gasps> on a really different curve. should be filming this instead of being a podcast. Because <laughs> the faces that are being thrown right now are... The fabulous. shade being thrown. I'm throwing some shade. Shade, shade, shade is being thrown. Um, and then I also, just back to Nightcrawler. Again, if it was a better film, Rene Russo's performance would have been elevated too. And I wish she had like... She suffered because of the film. She did, and it, she brought more to it than may have been on the page, and she's great, and I hope to see more of her, especially because she's still got it. She's it super just charismatic, and she really lit up the screen, and I wanted more of her. I feel like I've heard a lot of buzz coming off for Like, not for Oscar. Like for that a hot is, second, there that was. That is so. like a long shot, but the Total. movie wasn't very successful. But I just mean, I feel like the movie came out, and a lot of people were like, oh, Renee Russo is really great. Yeah. So hopefully she'll get more than Thor's mom. Yeah. Which I think is actually her most recent. Right. Well, I have to say, you know, we talked about it, I think we're running short on time, so we won't really, but I had sort of brought up that maybe at the end of this we could talk about some of our wish lists or Oscar long shots. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we talk about these movies, one of the things I was thinking is I have many that I could give for best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. But for best actress in the last oh, no. month there's been nothing and it actually really bums me out because even of the movies we talked about I mean Pride is a true ensemble film so it doesn't really have any leads right. of any gender especially not female leads right um, but Skeleton Twins is the only one that we even talked about that has an actual female lead yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like looking back at the whole sum at the summer and even early fall like there's just nothing with even it's not even about like talent or quality just the roles aren't there. What movies had female leads? Right. And and I wish we could be like, oh, it's just 2014. That's going to go down as like a weak year. But this is every year. I know. But this, I don't know. It's particularly bad this year. I mean, maybe it's because this, like, this summer we didn't even have like uh, The Heat, where you had two great comedic lead performances. We had Sandra. Tammy, didn't we? Yeah, that did. Right, but I mean, even that was I like mean, one of the few female... I didn't see Tammy. Me but... neither, but that was one of the few female-led films. Yeah. Like, yeah. at all. Right. That existed. 
And it's not going to be an Oscar film. <laughs> no, not at all. I just, I don't know. It's kind of a bummer. I mean, I, I was just saying I recently watched Under the Skin, which is such a weird, <gasps> crazy movie that I Super both weird. loved and didn't understand. Uh, and I think Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Just creep me out. Scarlett Johansson is capping a really great, I mean, I know part of it was 2013, but a really great year between the her voiceover. She's really the great her. in Under the Skin. She was really good in Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for her. Like, I would maybe say Don Juan. Her. Don John. Don she John, was yeah. excellent in Under the Skin. She's amazing. Absolutely. She's really, really I great. I think she suffers a tiny bit because of the nature of her role. Is it supposed to be a bit Right, pretty blank. Right. Blank. Yeah. Right. Because, well, watch the movie. It's right. really twisted. It's fascinating. It gave me and it's horrible on, nightmares. It's on either Amazon... Prime streaming, if you have that, or Netflix. I think it's added to Netflix streaming. I think that's what I watched it on. So everyone can watch it for free. I would recommend it. Um, and then, yeah, Belle was an interesting female lead and a female lead for a woman of color, which is rare. And I thought I Google... Did you see it? I did. I just watched it. I thought Google Mbatha Raw. Raw was really excellent in it. The movie itself is sort of a standard British period. So, of course, I loved it. Intensely because I love British period films, but it is a pretty average film of that genre. But she's really great. But I mean, I can't even think of any other movies that really had no. lead female parts. Desafortunadamente, no. Um, <laughs> so, of the six films we just discussed, obviously you've only seen three. If you had to pick one Oscar nomination that you're really gunning for, from those, what are you most rooting for? Whether it's a performance, film, script, technical element. Can I say what I'm not? I'm hoping <laughs> snubbed. Negative names. Snubbed Nancy. across the board. We can do we can do that too. What what do you most hope happens and what do you hope most I'm doesn't happen? I'm hoping Whiplash goes down the toilet and doesn't get anything. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm say okay. I'm, I'm okay I'm, if J.K. Simmons has to get in. I just don't want him to win. I'm okay with him having an Oscar nomination just because I feel like he is such a great, consistent character actor. Right. That if this is what it takes to get him, it an Oscar more represents his career than the specific. Right. Performance. I can pretend that it's for Juno, which I thought or even the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> no, because I hate those movies. But you do. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna vote against. Damien Chazelle, or however you say his name, getting in for director for Whiplash. Even though I do think it's well-directed, I just, no. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. I mean, I would say for Birdman, if I could, I would... Birdman is going to get a ton of nominations anyways. I think it's in for yeah, also picture, cinema, director, cinematography. cinematography actor. Wish, so I'm not going to wish for any of those, because it's already going to happen. I would probably wish for Naomi Watts to get in for support. Supporting. I think that would be mine too. I think um, if I'm going to be totally honest, I would have to just say I'm hoping for Pride to get in for ensemble for the SAG, yeah, yeah, um, rather than an Oscar, which would give it Oscar, which would maybe give make me so happy because it would be so deserved. Um, I also would be against Whiplash even existing. Um, I appreciate that people make movies like that. I shouldn't be that negative. Yep. Um, we have should lots not to win awards. Um, and I, I think, I mean, 
Birdman for cinematography, if we're going to talk about Oscars, uh, and I, I think, you know, yeah. I mean, it's likely to get nominated, but for sure, right. that's what kind of stands out at me, stands out for me just looking at it. And the score, stuff. which is mostly like, speaking of drums, it's which mostly funny, like drumming. Which just come from oh, yeah, Whiplash, where I was so, so irritated good. by all the drumming, right. but the, the, it was like jazz drum riffs as most of the score for Birdman, and it was Perfect. It was amazing. So the score is fabulous. It gives it such personality that perfectly suits it. Yeah, that's the other thing is it. It feels like character motivated too. Right. It comes from a psychological yeah. place and from where the characters are, not just what yeah. the director needs to emotionally manipulate a scene. Right. Like the bare bones of the film work, but then you add in all of these like smart really specific choices and it really elevates oh i guess i would add that one yeah i would love it to get a to get a nomination for for score score. yeah totally because it's also one of the most original crazy scores i've heard in a long time and it sounds like even though pride i haven't seen it although i am dying to and very much want to and i'm sure i will love it because it's you hits pretty much all my check marks on Mm -hmm. movies that, that i love um you guys said sag for ensemble I would imagine if we had to have an Oscar hopeful, besides maybe Best Picture, it would be um, screenplay. Yeah. Am I right yeah. in that? Yeah. From totally what you said about shot, balancing but, but all yeah. of the characters and the different arcs. Totally. The last thing I would say is just, the, you know, the mortician who worked on Brad Pitt after he was <laughs> shot. I don't think that. it was a mortician because I, I don't doubt. think he actually died. <laughs> well, there are probably like six clones of Brad Pitt out there so probably it's yeah possible. it's just science but that makeup job was incredible i mean best makeup for fury for fury done the end. the end well it is the award is now titled best makeup and hairstyling and his haircut is mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. pretty amazing yeah his uh, macklemore haircut yeah <laughs> all about it all right well we covered a, a lot of ground we have our next our next upcoming. We've seen both of the movies. We're waiting to do the podcast because we're going to hopefully have a special guest. We will have a special, special guest. guest. A special surprise. A special surprise. I, I shan't I shan't spoil the guest yet, but um we'll be doing one on we have also seen Interstellar and Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. Um or not yeah. the Imitation Game, the theory no, of everything. Um, Easily confused. Yeah. I didn't even notice. British biopic. I know. <laughs> I know. British I biopic know. generic title. Um, Interstellar and the Theory of Everything. We will we'll yeah. discuss them and, and so then we have all. And then we will have the final coming up with the Imitation Game, which I'm very much looking forward to. Oh my gosh, again, yeah. it checks all my all, all your my boxes, buttons, all my boxes, all your lady boxes. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> Hey. That would be Brad Pitt's haircut. No, <laughs> right. Or for you, J.K. Simmons' haircut. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> I know I have some weird crushes, guys, that I've confessed to, but J.K. Simmons does not do it for me in that way. Okay. He he is a paternal figure to me. That is that is it. Okay. In a way that Christopher Plummer, at his eighty plus years, is still not a paternal figure to me. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> On that note. Ladybugs. Bye. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.